Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. All right, jumping into a brand new series called What Do I Believe? What do I believe? The thing theologian A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. So let's sink in for just a second. But whatever comes into your mind when you think about God, that is the most important thing about us. Our theology is the word. If you don't know what that is, it's just the study of God. In other words, how we see him and kind of the rules and boundaries that we set up. And how about our theology, it, it matters. It determines how we relate to God, how we treat others, how we see church, even what our eternity looks like. Our, our belief system matters. And I believe that there are a million people trying to give you their belief system. Come on, somebody. Anybody on social media? Anybody else trying to give you their belief system? Right? And, and so what has happened within our culture is I think we've gotten this idea of what Christianity is. And the bottom line foundations of it, I think you've got to really mix that up. It, it happens with things like this. I hear somebody say, oh, is your so-and-so passed away? Oh, heaven got another angel. That's, that's totally unbiblical. People don't become angels. We're, we're two different creatures. We are scripture. Would, would you hear what I'm saying? So what happens is we take Hollywood stuff. And we see all this stuff we're here, and what Uncle Joe said, and all that's coming through. And so we want to do a series over the next few weeks where we kind of clarify what are the foundational truths that really is Christianity. So here's my goal. I have three goals for this series. One is I want to help you clarify what you believe. Every person on earth has beliefs about God, sin, Jesus, salvation. So whether you're Christian or not, do you know what you believe? Can you verbalize what you believe about those areas. I'm going to help you clarify that. Number two, I want to challenge some of your beliefs. Now, it's easy to treat Christianity like a Chinese buffet. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, I, I like I like me some of that, you know, Kung Pao chicken, uh, but that teriyaki stuff jacks up my throat. Or, yeah, I mean, but, and, and we go at God like that. We go at the Bible like that. You know, I, I, I like Jesus' miracles. Those are cool. But that virgin birth thing, I don't know about that. Now, research by Barna in 2015, check this, revealed that only 17% of people who are actively in church have a biblical worldview. Well, let that set in for a second. That's, that's scary to, for me as a pastor. Only 17% actually have a worldview that actually lines up with what the Bible says. The third thing I want to do is I want to check your definitions of what it means to be a Christian. The beliefs we're going to talk about in this series have been defined Christian for more than 1,500 years. They are the basic, bare minimum, and non-negotiables in my eyes. So let me say something really, really strong. And forgive me, but I've got to say this. If you don't agree with some of them, you might actually be a Christian. I love you. But truth is truth. Come on, somebody. Like, like it is what it is. And so I want to challenge you as we walk through the next several weeks in doing this, that I might push you a little bit, or I might, we, you might, we might rub up against some things that kind of create a little, little friction.
revolution inside of you, and I want to challenge you. Are you a truth seeker, or are you just an arguer? Right? I don't know myself trenched in in what I already believe. I'm just ready with my defense to argue. Or am I open to say, God, please show me your truth. Let me pray and ask God to do that right now. Father, please show us truth. Not, not so open-minded that our brains fall out, but that we would truly seek truth, even if it's opposed to something we've been holding on to for a long time. So Holy Spirit, do a work inside of us that we might know what truth you have to speak. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. To do this, we're going to turn to one of the church's oldest statements of belief. It's called the Apostles' Creed. Um, creeds were really important for about the five, first 500 years of the church. Okay? They, were, they were really important. The Apostles' Creed was the very first formal creed form. It dates back to the year 150. The year 150. Now, it's not called the Apostles' Creed because the Apostles wrote it. Oh, they were all dead by then. But, but it was, it's called the Apostles' Creed because what they did was they tried to come up with very succinct, poignant, and profound statements that summarized what the Apostles taught. Okay, so they came up with this, this, this idea of the Creed. And the early church would use this Creed as a teaching tool, even like a Sunday school curriculum, as a way to maybe identify heresies or false teachings that were actually not biblical. Or even as a first baptism test. They would, they would walk through the Apostles' Creed as a test to say, is this person, have they truly invited Jesus in the heart now? They're ready now to make that public statement of faith. Now, those of you with a liturgical background are very excited about this. And some of you just looked at me like, I don't even know what that word means. Right? Here's liturgical. Liturgical is, if you've ever been to Catholic church, Episcopal church, or some church where you open up, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, Book of Common Prayer, page 355, right June. That is the service. I can start it right now and recite the whole thing for you. In other words, you open the book and everybody recites, right? And the priest says something and the church responds back and the priest says something and the church That's liturgical. It's just a liturgy. Can you, can you follow what I'm saying? So for those of you from liturgical background, you're all excited when I say Apostles' Creed because you know what I'm talking about. Because in a lot of the liturgies, the Apostles' Creed is part of the liturgy. Everybody states it. We just sang it. But they just all say it right together as just a proclamation. Now, if you are a modern-day Baptist, non-denominational, charismatic, Pentecostal, and you're those people, many of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. When I say Apostles' Creed, I'm like, right? Like, I don't even know. Why? Because we don't have anything like that. And as a matter of fact, here's one of the struggles. Some of you push back when I say Creed because you've heard something like this. No Creed but the Bible. Right? There's a statement made like that. And there's some truth like that that we've got to be careful. So I want to say this. The Apostles' Creed, or any creed, listen to me, is not the inspired word of God. The creed itself holds no authority. It's a tool to point towards the truth of Scripture. Does everybody understand that? Right? The moon's awesome, isn't it? You ever, you ever come out and there's a full moon? Maybe over the lake over here. Right? The moon's awesome. But guess what? The moon has no light. The moon reflects the light of the sun. That's what a creed does. A creed is simply made to reflect the truth and authority of God's scripture. Does that make sense to anybody? So I want to start by reading the Apostles' Creed. And if you know it and believe it, you're more than welcome to sort of read along with me. 
um, out loud if you want to. If you want to just sit and listen, um, because you just love listening to my voice, that's fine too. Alright. says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So there is the succinct Apostles' Creed, and I want to take just the very first line today. Just the very first line, which simply says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I want to accent Father. The Father Almighty. I didn't have the greatest death. I look back, and I don't mean to be dishonoring, but I think he can understand and hear. He would be okay with me saying what I'm about to say, because he would understand what I'm trying to accomplish. My dad came to know Jesus late in his life. Stood up on a stage, gave his testimony, and died that afternoon. Actually found out later he was having a heart attack while giving his testimony. But he didn't want to let me down, and he didn't want to let my pastor down at the time. And we turned the, 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 the uh, machines off over here at Leesburg at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon after he had given his testimony. But most of his life had been parties and craziness and all this kind of stuff. I didn't know where it was for 10 years, all this kind of stuff. So for me, for my father has a certain connotation. You hear what I'm saying? Like, so for a lot of my life, I struggled with this concept of father. I struggled with this concept of Father God, and He's loving, and He's and you've seen that scene, you've seen that song. He's a good, good Father. And for some of us, we really struggle with that perspective. We really struggle with the reality of having an earthly father that was imperfect, and yet trying to look at a heavenly Father who is claimed to be perfect and good. Is there anybody else, or is that just me? Like. We struggle. Even if you had your dad there, there were struggles because he was imperfect. And I want to talk to you today about the difference between slaves and sons. Slaves and sons. Galatians 3 and 26, look at this. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, ladies, don't get hooked up, hung up on sons. Because it, it's, it's like mankind. It means everybody. So sons and daughters. All right? It, if this makes you feel better, we as men get called the bride of Christ. Okay? So that, that evens it out. All right? But, but, but sons, you're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The idea of sonship, listen to me, it's a spirit inside of you that changes everything that's critical. Let me, let me walk you through this. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the set time has fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to, there it is again, sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, and the spirit now calls out, Abba, Father. You know what that means? Daddy. 
puts his spirit inside of you that you might call out daddy. And it says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also a what? An heir, right? Many Christians, including myself, for a long time, have operated as slaves instead of sons or daughters. You see what I mean? See, a slave has a master, right? Bow and fear. You kind of, you know, this, this, come on, how many of you lived through, you went to one of those churches where every week they just, that pastor had a finger. And that finger was so long, it was like right at your nose tip every Sunday. It's talking about like, you, you, better, you better be filled and be real, boy. And you felt the need to like walk the aisle every Sunday. And then it has this, this feet, right? Listen to me, that's slave mentality. There's a church in Mexico where, where they kind of take on that kind of a spirit. And they come to a certain place and then they crawl to the church. And so there's blood all on the road going there from the knees being torn up and their hands being torn up from crawling. Can I say this to you? That's not the spirit of son or daughtership. Are you, are you hearing me? That, that's the spirit of a, of a slave. That's, that's, that's a spirit that the scripture does not want you to have. The son, listen to me, has a father. What does it look like to be a father? What does it look like to be a well, I think Jesus showed it to us. No, Jesus was a kid magnet. Right? Like, like the disciples, do you remember the disciples had to actually say, get the kids off of him? And he said, no, 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 let them come. What kind of a person does it take to be a kid magnet? Because we all have this Jesus picture, and it's just like, I don't know, you know, like smoking in cheeks and got the curveball hand. I don't know what the curveball hand is in the picture. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we got this thing. And Jesus, if you were a kid magnet, he must have been like, whoa, can I get candy in his robe? You know, you know what I'm talking about? But that, that's, that's the heart of the, the father that we have. But, but Hollywood has painted something very, very different. Romans 8 and 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, the spirit, we cry, Daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So you can tell the relationship you have with someone by what you call them. Right? What do you, what do you call God? And whatever words you use for God, what does it mean in your heart and in your filter? There are some people that, that, that call me Mike. There are a handful of people on this planet like Disney that call me Michael. Right? That's my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law. Other crazy people, right? No, I'm just kidding. But they, they, they look at me differently, so they call me something differently. There's there's an intimacy tied back. Some people call me Pastor Mike. A lot of people give me. Some people call me Chaplain Matheny at the police department. Some people know me a little while. They say, PM, what's up, man? How you doing, right? And that's like a little bit more. And then I've got a whole group of kids that were that I was in youth, and they called me B Mitty. Right? And, and some parents and some kids remember. But my point being is, is what you call someone has a lot to do with the way you look at them and the relationship that you have with them. My girls call me daddy. I love it. I love it that my 20-year-old at 20, when I pop up on her phone, it says daddy. I love that. Right? What is that? 
that's just crumb in your lap. I need a hug, Daddy. You know, you just think that's relationship. Let me ask you what. What does your heart call God? What you call someone reflects the way you relate to that person. What do you call him when you when 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 when, when you pray? Is he master? Or is he daddy? It's so important. It's so important that we come to a place of understanding that heart. Let me move forward. A slave? A slave's an employee. In other words, I work for that person. Alright? Some of you guys feel like a slave at your job, right? You can tell when you go somewhere and uh, there's a waitress or a hostess at a restaurant and they are just an employee. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you walk up and she's working on the little board or whatever and she looks up. You know what I mean? And in that moment, you know, she's just an employee. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then you go sit down at the table and your waitress comes over and she's like, oh my gosh, how are you guys doing? Is it your first time to eat? It's your first time here? Oh my gosh, let me tell you about our menu. It's good to... Do you hear the difference? Right? One's an employee. One is not an employee. The other one, the other one has heart. And many people, listen to me, are just working for God. We've got this employee type of mentality towards who God is. Well, if I just make him happy, if I just keep the master happy, then, you know, he won't strike me down. You know, if I just keep him happy, maybe we'll stay healthy as a family. If I just keep... And we have this distorted view of who he is. But listen to me, a son or a daughter is an heir. You know what that means? That means I'm in the family business. Right? My family does not work for Church of the Lakes. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I do this because I'm in the family business. I do this because this is what God has called me to do. I, I, I'm in the family business. I love it. I don't have an hourly wage mentality. In other words, many weeks ago, you guys don't know this, you didn't need to know this, but I'll just give you an example. They called me and said, Pastor Mike, we have a flea problem in the auditorium. Right here. James would stand right there and have 30 or 40 fleas on his legs, like that. So they called me, and I said, okay, cool, I'm gone. I went to Tractor Supply, I bought the stuff, I bought the big backpack sprayer, and I came down to play pest control. And all of y'all came to church on Sunday morning, and you didn't know the difference. And you listen to me, I'll just tell you, it's not for you to pat me on the back, I'm just telling you, I wasn't mad or upset because we're in the family business. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? When you're in the family business, when you decide that this is the family business and I'm here, guess what? This table is your table. And, and these speakers, these are your, and those are your drones, and that's your parking lot. You hear what I'm saying? Do you know what that means? That means you'll pick up a piece of paper on the way in. It's a trip parking lot. That means you'll look for somebody else as a visitor because you come back for my visitor. You hear the difference? Understanding the relationship that we have to God and how we deal with them. Every month we do something called Life Steps. That answers 90% of first-time guest questions, helps you discover purpose, helps you get plugged into church, develops your relationship with God. But on week two, right this week, this is week one, but on week two, next week, I take time to describe our membership, our government structure, leadership, finances, um, and we talk about the member covenant. And then once I get going and I look at them, I say this, listen, that's the structure, but what I'm really looking for is your heart. What I'm really looking for is for you to say, this is where God's planted me, and now I'm in the family business. Because I promise you, if somebody greeted you really well this morning, 
It's because they're in the family business. It's because this is their church. It's because, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, we are in his. Once we become heirs, this is mine. We are to do. Romans 8 and 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You're not an employee working for God. You're an heir. You're an heir to the kingdom. And that sets up a completely different mindset. The Spirit of God is deposited into us, and we become part of the family business. Philippians 2 and 12, so I didn't notice, I'll put it up for you. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Listen, you can't do anything to earn God's forgiveness. That's free. You can't work, make Him happy. If you are completely jacked up, God says, come on, I got you. But after you make the decision, this is what it says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. There is a place of obedience, but most of us struggle with it. Not because of lack of power, but because of lack of relationship. See, whatever addiction that I'm struggling with, I just worship that more than I do God. Whatever struggle that I have in obedience in my life, I just put more weight on that than I do the relationship. Or maybe the relationship is not there enough to carry it. There's a ton of things that I don't do because I'm married to Jennifer McDean. Right? Is that like I've gone out once in 21 years with the boys, and it was because we had this kid from church we were trying to love on and take him to play pool. That's just a place that we decided a long time ago that wouldn't be healthy for us, and that wouldn't be healthy for my wife. That's not your story. I'm just telling you my story. Point being is because I have a relationship with her, there are certain things that I choose to do, and I don't go. Want to go out with the boys? Right? I don't want. I, I don't go. Hey, why can't I just flirt with all the women? I don't, I don't do that. Why? Because I have a relationship with her. Because I love her. Because I want to serve her. Because I, I, I've taken that on. Do you understand? And, and, and when we get to the place where we understand, you're not slaves working for God. You're sons and daughters, heirs to the kingdom. I am. I'm in the family business. Father, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? Many of us fear what God's going to call us to do when it's the greatest thing and the most contentment that we will feel in our entire life if we'll step into it. Because he is that good. You know what I said? Slaves are, are driven by duty. Have to. You have to do it. Well, I've got to read my Bible. Well, I guess I'll take a few minutes to pray. I don't know what else to do. Come on, we, we've all been there. I'm not judging you. I'm, 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 I'm talking about my kid. <sighs> I'm a pastor, so I'm reading my Bible today. Come on, you, you better listen to me. That's a slave mentality. That's not son or daughter mentality. We've lost the perspective there of understanding the relationship that we have with them. Sons are driven by devotion. Daughters are driven by Devotion, Luke 10 and 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened.
called to him. Let's talk about devotion and duty here. Ready? Story of Martha and Mary. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. Both of them loved him. Both of them loved him. There's no denying that. But they were serving him with different spirits. They were serving him from a different place. One, I believe, from a slave mentality, and one, I believe, from a daughter mentality. Let's read. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Right? You see the similar thing going on? And I love it. Martha, Martha, Martha. Right? Pretty much. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. What did she choose? She chose relationship. See, one chose relationship to things. The other one chose relationship to not one and only thing, which is Jesus. And then we've got to come to a place and understand, what does it mean then for me to live in relationship with God? Not just this devotional have-to, bowing down, oh my gosh, just don't strike me down, just don't give my family any kind of diseases or anything. Like, if you're ducking God, you're missing who our God is. He loves you. He's excited about having a relationship with you. Galatians 4, 8, 9. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, listen, 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 church, we'll stop there in the middle. You have to develop the relationship. You have to develop the relationship. It, it, it takes some work, right? If, if Jen and I never did any kind of development on our marriage, it would stink. It would stink. We've been to marriage conferences and marriage retreat weekends, and we've done counseling, and we've done counseling online, and we've done webinars, and all over, over 25 years. Thank God we did. I don't know if we'd have made it if we didn't. But you've got to develop the same as true with God. It takes work to develop what we've got with God. And here's what I think. Holy Spirit gave me this this morning. I put this in my notes. I just, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me this morning. I think that there are thousands, maybe millions of Christians who are not sons or daughters, they're foster kids. Jen and I have raised eight foster kids. We had eight foster kids come and live with us and live with us. And if you've ever done the foster thing, here's what it looks like. They go in and they take a kid out of a situation that they deem that's safe for that kid. They give that kid a very short amount of time to put as much as they can into one large black garbage bag. That's all they get to take with them. So when a foster kid shows up at your door, unless it's a baby, well, when that kid shows up with their black bag just full of this is what I got. And at the heart of that kid in that moment, they're looking at me, and we've had a couple of their kids that are African American. I can only imagine. Who is this goofy white man? Why am I in his house? And what is this food? Come on. Right? Like, the, like the, the, the chaos of what it is to be thrown into a situation and not really feel apart. And, and, and they're telling you you're wanted. And they're telling you that you're welcome. And they're telling you, but you know what? The first time you have to even get onto it at all, you know what the next thing they do is? They go back to the room and pack their bags and sit on the edge of the bed. I've been talking about everything. Why? 
because they're expecting you to call the caseworker and send them on to the next house. That's sad. Oh, no. That, I mean, that's heart-wrenching, isn't it? And yet what I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me the morning, this morning is, that's, that's millions of Christians here in the United States. When I sons and daughters that have stepped into the fact that we are heirs, we're kind of foster kids that still feel, yeah, but, you know, you don't know my past, and I kind of push back, and I get, you know, my, my, my foster kids for a long time, you know, they still argue. Like, they're trying to work out whether they can trust you or not, or whether you're for real or not, or, well, you know, you're just kind of some goofy. I remember <laughs> one of my foster daughters moved in, African-American, originally from Jamaica, and her mama, uh, she came to her mom, and she only lived with us for four months. She came to mom and she said, uh, I want to go to the homecoming dance here at Leesburg High School. She said, okay, no problem. You're in our house. You just have to have the boy call your call dad. She went, what? She never heard of such a thing. And so she dragged her feet, she dragged her feet, and she didn't know how to do that. And, you know, you, you, you have the cultural difference and all this. And finally, we got about two weeks away from homecoming, and I got a phone call. And so I just calmly said, and then listen, um, I'm real serious about this thing. In other words, I'm just telling you out, and homecoming night comes, and you get old Bessie Duck, and he pulls in that driveway, and I didn't get a phone call beforehand. I'm going to meet him in the driveway. He's going to drive right back out of the neighborhood. So two, day, two days later, I got a phone call. Right? I'm at Home Depot. I'll never forget this moment for the rest of my life. I'm at Home Depot, and I get this phone call. Hello? Uh, uh, uh. Sin, he loves you anyway. 
And there's nothing any more that you could do to make him love you more. And there's nothing more that you could do to make him love you less. And so I want to challenge you this morning. How do you see Father God? Develop the relationship. Or do we come like another example? When we got the girls, and I did ask if I could share this story, I called Christina this morning to ask permission. All right? But when we got the girls, Christina was three, I got was 15 months, and Jackson was a baby. And so it's totally different scenario because these are kids. You ever remember the verse where it says, come to me like a child? Remember that? Jesus says, come to me like a child in simplicity. Let me give you an illustration of what he means. Because we picked up those girls and brought them back to their our house. And so here's this little three-year-old, and I'm sitting in my lazy boy, and Priscilla walks over, the little three-year-old, and she goes, where's my mommy? And everything inside of me went, oh, crap, right? Like, and I was just like, okay, I'm like self-talking. Uh, she's probably going to cry, just love her as best she can. You know, and I'm going through this whole thing in my head. And about that time, Jen comes out of the back and around the corner and steps into the dining room where we can see her. And she goes, there's my mommy. Hey, mommy. And she took off the tent. She never called her anything anything different to this very day. Here's my point. Something in coming to Christ like a child, in childlikeness, it just says, Daddy. And it's not about past. And it's not about how good you are or how bad you are. It's just Daddy. Can I encourage you today? Your Daddy wants so much to have a relationship with you. Wants so much for you not to stiff arming because of fear and feelings of failure. How do I do that, though? I mean, I hear that. But listen to me, you've got to live under a father and not a master. You, you have to live as an heir and not as an employee. You have to live with devotion, not just compelled by what you have to do next. Do you hear the difference? Do you hear the spirit, the heart? Behind that, we'll give you three statements as I close today. Three, I believe, statements that I think maybe some of you need to write these down and put them on a mirror where you see them every morning. Or maybe take these notes and put them somewhere where you're going to review them right before you get in the car and head off to work or right before the kids get up or whatever it is. Let me give you three statements that I want you to start to try to reprogram your thinking in who God, our Heavenly Father, is. Number one is this. I believe God is a healthy Father. I believe God is a healthy father. Matthew 7 and 9. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? Can I be honest? I read that, and I thought, you know what? This is a moment where I understand somebody's argument with the scripture. Here's what I mean. Some of you go, yeah, my dad probably wouldn't give me a stone. Some of you go, yeah, he probably would give me a snake. Because that's what happened. And many of us are challenged in this area because of our fatherhood crisis that we're having right now in our culture. We had a secret shopper come to the church. We paid a secret shopper to come, this guy. And you guys didn't know, and he came, checked everything out. And checked out our band. He was an ex-worship leader. And I just wanted him in a secret shop tell me places where. And he gave us all kinds of suggestions. Never forget that. I could only take him to lunch. We came back and we were sitting here. And he and I just hit it off and clicked. And it was a great time. 
And he said, yeah, that's really good. I'm kind of intrigued with what's going on and what that's doing. It's really cool and all this. He said, tell me your weakness. And without hesitation, I looked at him and said, I didn't have a solid phone with you. And he said, I've asked hundreds of leaders that question, and I've never gotten that answer. And I said, I've just come to a place of understanding. That's a weakness for me. Something not that makes me bad or makes me, you know, not be able to be who God's called me to be. It's just something I need to recognize. That that's going to hinder the way that I would look at a good, loving, healthy father. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like for us to just be able, and God can overcome that, and he has overcome that. And I, I, love, I love my father in heaven in a way that I can't explain to you, but it's a sonship, it's a daughtership, it's a heart, it's a spirit inside of us. It has to change. I am convinced that the enemy is not just trying to jack up your relationship with your father, but that the devil knows that if you have a hard time with your earthly father, you'll have a hard time with the heavenly father. And many people are struggling with praying to God because when you go use the term father or dad, it's somewhat problematic because of your experience. Can I say something so important to you? Don't define God by what a human lacked. Please. Don't limit God because of the limits of a man. The creator, he is not a reflection of the created. We are trying to reflect him, but we fall woefully short. You know, that's like that. That sounds good. I, but I, where do I begin with that? All right, number two. Number two statement. I believe in relationship, not rules. I believe in relationship, not rules. I believe in God the Father Almighty. We got rules in our house. Anybody have rules in your house? You know, like some of the rules, like where you can't go, where you can't go, when you can't go, that kind of thing. One of the things my wife and I cannot stand is when one of the kids walks up in front of the person they're talking about and said, did so-and-so come over and spend the night? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, really? Right in front of this kid? Really, really, all kinds of different rules. And when dad says, hey, can I talk to you in my office for a minute? Most of my kids go, oh, right? Because the office just has this connotation, like, it's about to go down. Dad's about to pick something or correct something or whatever. But every once in a while, it happened again this week. So cool. Jacqueline walked in my office. She's just standing there looking at me. And I'm in work mode, and I'm kind of in this mode, right? And I turn around, I'm like, what? She said, nothing. Just see what you were doing. I was like, you don't, you don't want anything? She went, no. And she started turning around. Oh, 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 oh. And I put the stuff down. I said, come here and talk to me. Tell me what happened. See, there's a difference when you approach through rules or when you approach through relationship. There's an intimacy that God, the creator of the universe, really wants to have with you. Your approach to God it, it is so important. So important. Look at John 5.39. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. I'm going to know all the scriptures. I'm going to know the Greek. I'm going to know the Hebrew. I can do that. And I can tell you this. I can remember. I know people that can spell scriptures like crazy, and they're a mess. 
I don't think they can read you the Greek and the Hebrew version and all that. And their family is a mess. Listen, this is Jesus. These are the scriptures that testify about me, the person that wants to have a relationship with you. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Well, I guess I better read my Bible. Here I go, back into rules. Back into have to. Back in, right? And of course you don't feel a relationship with God, not because you're not treating him like a relationship. We, we, we've got to get to a place where we say relationship rules. Listen to me. The goal of reading your Bible is not knowledge. It's relationship. The, the goal of coming here this morning was not a check mark. It was to glorify him. Because he's worthy. The goal is not to read the Bible. The goal is to find him in it. It's not just to pray something I can say, well, I pray. It's to meet with him. The goal of serving other people, it's not a check mark. It's not the gold star. It's to serve with him. Again, it's a relationship. You have to see him correctly. It's a healthy, amazing father. We have to approach him correctly. Through relationship, not rules. Number one, I believe God is a healthy father. Number two, I believe in relationship, not rules. And number three, this is tough. I believe I can trust God. I believe I can trust him. I just prayed with somebody this morning, right before service. They came and said, This is going on and this is going on, and I'm just I'm just struggling. And I said, I got you, man. We prayed right here in the aisle. And that's what I prayed for. God just help us to trust. That's, Come on, don't let it stink sometimes. Jesus said you're going to have troubles, you're going to have problems. We shouldn't be surprised. It's, it, it's coming. It's a sinful world with sinful people, and they do sinful things. And that sin spills out on us. But do I trust him? Yeah, so people will say something like this. You know what? I'll try God. You heard somebody say that? I, I tried the God thing. Right now I went to church, and I, I tried the God thing. But that's not the approach to have a relationship. So no wonder they're not in church anymore. Right, right, you, you, you can't try God to listen. Like, I'm going to try Jennifer. My wife. No, that's, that's just not going to work, right? You, 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 you can't do that. You can't just try. If you're trying religion, religion stinks. It doesn't work. And we don't see you anymore in church. You have to go all. Yeah, there's where it takes faith. There's where it takes trust. Let me turn to Jeremiah 29, 13. He will seek me and find me. That sounds really good, right? Really, I'd like to seek you. I'd like to find some of you here this morning and you're seeking. Is this really true? Is this really real? Is God really God? He will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, all in, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In other words, you don't seek him all in, you won't, right? No. You seek him 90%, you'll probably be one of those people that say Christianity didn't work for me. And you're right, it didn't. But you didn't do Christianity, you did religion. Isn't it crazy how your family <laughs> can push you to... Anybody else got a family that drives them crazy sometimes? We don't look at them and tell them right now, just, you know... <laughs> Sonny had a family, man. We can get so mad. 
my girls would get so mad at each other, just, and I'm like, stop talking to each other like that. They're like, Dad, what? We got each other's back. What? But isn't that true? Come on. You've talked trash about Thanksgiving dinner. You, you've been bad about the man girl ever since last Thanksgiving. She had the beard that's weird where she kisses you. You know what I'm talking about? The Lord forbid somebody else say something about your family, though. Right? Right? I got to talk trash all day, but you say something, I will knock you out. That's not family. You know what that is? That's, that's relationship. That's sonship. That's brothership. That's cousinship. That's spouseship. Are you, you following what I'm saying to you? There's an intimacy. There's a relationship there. That's tied in. No one else can do that. Relationship changes everything. God wants you to see him as daddy. He wants you to approach him relationally. He wants you to respond to him wholeheartedly. Amen. So can I push you this morning in that one simple little statement of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God the Father Almighty. Is he your father? Are you his son? Are you his daughter? And if not today, would you consider making that step? Would you consider saying, you know what, I've not let go. I'm holding on to all my thoughts. I've got all my scientific reasons why God is my God. My God. And you're not going to find it until you let go. You're not going to find it until you know that he's a good father. He can be trusted. And you cannot bank on what man has done to be an account made for who God is. He is your heavenly father that loves you and wants relationship with you. Help me pray for you this morning. Father, you are good. You're a good dad. Let me start. For those of us who've walked with you for a long time, let me start with us. We apologize for letting the things of this world carry our relationship a little sideways with you. To just having to do what we have to do, and I got to show up for this, and maybe God will be pleased with me if I do that. We've walked away from our sonship and our daughtership. Today, we'd like to come back home. We'd like to step back into your house and be called son and daughter again, and walk in relationship with you, and trust you, and know you are good and loving, and you have all worked out. Those of you that have never started that type of relationship with God, you don't have to clean up. You don't have to be perfect. He just says, Come, I want to have a relationship with you. It's not religion. It's not a bunch of silliness. It's, it's, it's coming to a place of saying, God, my Heavenly Father wants to have a relationship with me. Love me. And if that's you today, let me give you a simple prayer to pray. Nothing, anything about my words, sincerity, thing is what's the most important in your heart. Something like this. Jesus, today I give you my life. Today, today, Jesus, I want to start a relationship. I, I'm not interested in joining a religion. I want to know you as daddy, as father 
God. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins and making me have this ability to have this relationship as best as I know how. I'm not going to try. I'm going to push in to have a relationship and walk with you and to fulfill the purposes that you have created me. I thank you that you give me the opportunity. I pray in Jesus' name. I don't have people say it. Listen to me, church. Don't walk out today. Go, wow, that was good. Or I felt a little bit of a challenge this week. Am I going through my week like a foster kid? Am I going through my week with daddy? Because daddy wants to carry you through this week. Daddy wants to walk you through every situation. Daddy wants to encourage you when nobody else wants to encourage you. When everything else is shaking around you, he is solid. Choose relationship over relation this week. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.